Hello and welcome to another edition of Blast from the Past on Shoot Defence. I'm your host, Stel, and joining me once again is Football 90s expert, Football 90s connoisseur, Sid Lambert. Welcome back to the show, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Stel. Thanks for having me back on. It's been a little while. Mainly... Thank you for saving me from watching I'm a Celebrity with my missus. Nah, get out of here. She watches that as well. Oh, dear, oh dear. Can't get her off it. She's always asking me questions about Dennis Wise. <laughs> How famous is he? Who was he? And I, I've sort of noticed something something about him that perhaps I hadn't seen before, which is he's quite a strange-looking fella, isn't he? His, his features, they, they seem to sort of be huddling together for warmth in the centre of his face. And there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of unused surface area. I've noticed that now. I've seen him at closer quarters than perhaps I had done in previous years. For a split second, I thought he was looking for orcs in the middle of his face. I thought you were going to go all Lord of the Rings on me. No, no. Although, yeah, there is a likeness there. But, um, he certainly seems to be a little bit power-hungry at the moment, so I believe. So it's all kicking off. A bit like Gollum. A bit like Gollum. <laughs> exactly, Dennis can handle himself in that situation Yeah, yeah, we don't want to upset Dennis, Dennis the Menace um, So, Sid, what game have you selected this week? I've chosen a good one this week, Still, I'm very happy with it It was an absolute joy going back into the archives and watching this one in, in all its glory on YouTube It's a game from about this time in 1993 it's Newcastle versus Liverpool at St James's Park, and um, there's there's a lot to talk about on this one. Now, for our listeners, this isn't the four three. It's actually a game that Newcastle United won. It is indeed. It is before those games in the mid nineties that became those games mm-hmm. in the mid nineties. Those really special seven goal thrillers. This is a one sided drubbing. Um, and I'll give you a little bit of background on it because this is Newcastle's first full season uh, in the Premier League. It's Keegan's got them promoted as champions uh, from the first division. And um, it's, it's an interesting time because actually Keegan has shown a side to his management that kind of goes a little bit underrated, really, I think. Because I don't know about you, Stel, but when I think of Kevin uh, at KK, I always think of him kind of as everyone's best mate, the guy who puts his arm around the shoulder, the sort of arch motivator. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Do you know what? I, I don't agree. And the reason why I don't oh, is because I, I will always remember Kevin Keegan for, for two things. First of all, that meltdown he had live on TV. Um, of course. Which, which was superb. And uh, the, the nickname Baseball Bat. But I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> well, I think... When you talk to and you read uh, about players who played with Keegan, they always talk about how he was a great motivator, always smiling, always, you know, fun around the dressing room, encourage players to have fun. But he had a ruthless streak to him, you know. Mm. Um, And when Newcastle got promoted back up to the Premier League, Keegan was incredibly impatient. He wasn't looking just to stabilise Newcastle. He wanted to get them right back to the top. And the first thing he did, and I remember at the time being quite shocked, he got rid of two of their best players. He got rid of uh, David Kelly and he got rid of Gavin Peacock. And both of them were mainstays from that first division title run. Is that that when Gavin Peacock found God? Well, I'd like to see the data on that. Um, (laughs) We know he's very paddy with him now. If ever you follow his Twitter feed, it's an absolute goldmine of... uh, 
Well, all kinds of stuff. He's got some strong opinions, is Gavin. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, let's, yeah. let's not go into that, shall we? Just in case we, we incur the wrath of God, if he exists, eh? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mind incurring the wrath of Gavin Peacock, but the Lord <laughs> Almighty, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, we, so, we, we've seen a Bruce Kelly Almighty. Pe- yeah, exactly. Kelly and Peacock were sent packing, and in their places, the first team regu- their first team regulars, with their spots, were taken by Andy Cole and Peter Beardsley. Now, Cole had actually signed, I'm sure you'll remember this, he signed from Bristol City. That's right. Just in the late latter part of the previous season, he got a goal again, uh, and it, that really helped Newcastle get the title bid over the line. And Keegan then somehow, well, I, I mean, I say somehow, Howard Kendall decided that at the age of 32... Peter Beardsley was past it, mm. and when Keegan uh, got a sniff that Beardsley was available, um, he, he snapped him up straight away. And he, it's a strange one, this, because Howard Kendall is rightly revered as one of the greats. You know, a wonderful manager by all accounts, an absolutely, you know, gem of a human being. But the decision to let Beardsley go at the age of 32 is a, it's a real stinker. You know, it's a terrible decision. It's, you know, it's... He's up there with Noah opting to leave his brolly at home. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely awful. You know, we've got the benefit of hindsight, but I don't know if you remember at the time, I, I just couldn't understand why anyone would let Beardsley go. Yeah, I just think it was that mentality back in the early 90s. It was like once a player reaches a certain age, uh, then they're thrown in a scrap heap. But as we've seen these days, players can go into 36, 37 years old and still make an impact. And Beardsley was, was doing that even till like the mid-90s. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point, he's only 32. I, I yeah. think you're right. I mean, but the, the thing about Beardsley was, it's not like he was a, you know, a pacey left winger who relied upon speed or movement. He's about as, at this point, or pretty much all his career, really, he's about as intelligent as anyone in the league. Mm. Um, when you think of, well, actually, let me clarify that. When I, when I say intelligent, I don't mean that literally, because, you know... <laughs> You know, he, he looked like the sort of fellow that struggled with the five-letter words Oof. on bullseye, didn't he? <laughs> but, um, but if you're looking at football intelligence, he was pretty much unmatched. I mean, the only person I can think of similar, um, someone whose brain made compensation, if you like, for their tiring legs, probably, I don't know, Chris Waddle? Mm, yeah, possibly, possibly. Possibly. You know, they, they, they both got a little bit more, more out of their... If you want to take a modern day... Example, I'd probably say someone like Pirlo. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Although Bidzi didn't drop into the central midfield role, did he? He he was primarily like a forward in, be, in behind the front man, and I, I think he's the closest. People are going to laugh at this, but I, I think he's the closest England English player we've had since to Maradona in terms of the skill. I've heard that before, you know. Do you know what I've heard um, Beardsley on an interview with Graham Hunter? Uh, a few months back, and Hunter uh, actually said, in some respects, he's a little bit like Messi was mm. in that sort of pulling the strings role. I mean, obviously, we're not talking, uh, you know, Beardsley didn't commit players, didn't have the record that Messi had. No, he's no, a different no. phenomenon. But in terms of being able to affect a game, pull the strings and sort of um, just control it, he, he was absolutely stellar. And this, it was a terrible decision by Kendall, a brilliant decision by Keegan to convince his chairman to pay, you know, one and a half million quid. That's pretty good value, really, yeah. even at 32. That's right. 
That's right. So him and Andy Cole forged a fantastic partnership. So talk about the game itself, because I know Newcastle had only lost like what four games in the opening fourteen games, and they, they drew at Old Trafford as well. Yeah, they were they were they were winning. Well, no, they weren't winning. They were drawing games. Mm. It was a sort of steady, unspectacular start, really, to life in the top flight. Um, they were ninth in the table by the time this this fixture came along. Which you know, you look at it. And you think, well, Knight's pretty good for a team that's just been promoted. They're, they're drawing more than they're winning, but Beardsley and Cole have hit it off straight away. So they're surpassing expectations. Liverpool, on the other hand, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I mean, we've, we've spoken about Graham Souness' time at Liverpool because it really is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't mm. it? Um, there, it is a masterclass in dismantling a football club. Um, so by this time, this is Souness' third season in charge. He's managed to achieve their two worst finishes since 1965. Um, he's Six weeks earlier, he nearly got the sack because they had a run, and I couldn't believe it when I went back through the record books, where they lost every league game in September. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's a sackable offence these days. Um, but there was one player, really, that when you look back in the record books, saved his job. Do you know who it was? Um, uh, pass Well I'll give you another clue It's a young player that he plucks from the reserves As a kind of desperate roll of the dice Does that make it any easier? Uh, do you know what I've, I've actually drawn a blank mate Oh you kick yourself It's Robbie Fowler Oh my goodness He called, he called up Robbie I, was, I actually thought Fowler emerged the next season uh, That's where my trivia let me down But he scored mm. five against Fulham in the League Cup he got a winner against Oldham and he scored a hat-trick against Southampton to give Souness some, some much-needed breathing space. But, I mean, even Fowler himself, he, he couldn't mask Liverpool's failings. They were a shambles. And um, when I watched this game, it sort of reminded... It was the perfect embodiment, if you like, of Liverpool under Souness because trying to work out who was going to be in the team from week to week was like playing a game of guess who. <laughs> you had absolutely... No idea what side or what formation he was going to play, and this game was no different. Yeah, it was. Um, hmm. it, it was one of those games where you just couldn't believe what you were seeing. I mean, Newcastle were absolutely ran riot, and each goal was practically practically identical, wasn't it? It was, and uh, and. Just what I said there about how you weren't sure who he was playing where. There were nine minutes on YouTube. I'm going to read out the Liverpool team now because it's, it's worth reflecting on. Because I've seen the highlights three or four times. I've got my own memories of the game. And I'm looking at the team and I still can't work out who's playing where. This is the team. Grobelar, Ruddock, Nickel, Harkness, Picnic, Matteo. I've forgotten that he played in this. Mm. Stewart, Redknapp, Clough, Rush and Fowler. Now... There's elements of that team that send a chill down your spine if you're a Liverpool supporter. I think it's a 5-3-2. Yeah, it looks uh, like it, yeah. It, 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 it must be, really, but it's hard to work out who's playing where. Um, Newcastle, on the other hand, this was their side. Hooper, Watson, Venison, Scott, Elliot, Bracewell, Lee, Sellers, Clark, Beardsley and Cole. And there's another Liverpool connection in there yeah, in Barry Venison. Three players. Is it, wasn't Mike Hooper there as well? He was indeed, yeah, the perennial substitute. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he spent his whole career, really, as second choice. That's right. Um, 
Worth asking a question here, Stel. Where are we in terms of Barry Venison's hair at this point in his career? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I, uh, pretty much, I think didn't, he hadn't trimmed it. He didn't have a bob, no. did he? It was practically the same as as when he left Liverpool, I, I presume. Or, or as far as I remember, it was still the same shaggy-haired Barry Venison that I remember. Not not the one that is about now with a crew cut, but yeah. I mean, again, I'd like to see the analytics on it, but I think we are at peak venison in yeah, this game. Yeah. I really do. Volume, quiff, a little bit of fluff. Oh, it's, it really is a treat to, it, to watch. It's, it's not like it's the, the footballing equivalent to midlife crisis in the sense that it's an end-of-career crisis. Yeah, I mean, although that would suggest that he'd had better times during his career, but, I mean, he <laughs> it was fairly consistently awful throughout, mm. even for that era, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, Sid, John Barnes was on the bench for this one, wasn't he? He was, he was, and John Barnes was wearing gloves, which was, in 1993, was the official recognition that it was British winter time. Yeah, yeah. It, was only, it was only winter when John Barnes got his gloves on. Yep, that's right, that's right. So let, let's, talk uh, about the, let's talk about the goal, Sid, because, um, yeah, Andy Cole got a hat-trick, and yep. as, as I said before, it was, it was, it was like a, a FIFA sweaty goal, as we like to call, you know, all three goals were, were crosses across the face of the goal, and he was there, and the, the defence was nowhere to be seen, even though they lined up in, as a four. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Liverpool's defending. They they sort of look like a bunch of dads who've met in a car park for a five-star. <laughs> I mean, they're absolutely bollocks. They really are. Four minutes in, Beardsley to Lee. He crosses from the left. Cole pokes it in with his studs. Now, this is the game, Stel. I'm sure you'll remember where Bruce Grobelar had to face a jury that's and right. discuss whether he'd been, um, well doing something slightly mischievous, mm. as they might say. Yeah, uh, and, and this was the goal where a lot of people said, hmm, there might be something there. I don't know what you thought about it. Do you know what, to be honest, I was... I was... How old was I then? There's 21st, so I was 13 back then. So, for me, every goal was a good goal. Do you know what I mean? I didn't quite... It, it, it didn't come to a point where I'd be analysing it and thinking, oh, he could have done it. I just thought, well, that's Andy Cole, and he's on his own, so he scored... But looking back on it again and forgetting the whole uh, match rigging syndicate claim um, where he was allegedly paid 40 grand or was he paid? I don't know how much he was paid or whatever it was. But when, when you look at the goals, I think it's still difficult to say whether he, he kind of let them in because the first one, again, it was across the face of the goal. C- could he have been brave to go for the ball? Perhaps. Um, but the other two, I can't really think of think of what how he could stop it. I mean, it just came to the point where it just seemed that when the, when the second one went in, the third one was just one of those where the goalkeeper's like, well, it's going to go in anyway, so what am I going to do? So it, it did seem a bit bit harsh. But then it wasn't just that, was it? it was, wasn't it at, at Southampton where he was accused of it? Or was it a culmination? Of- yeah, it was. He was, that's right. There was another game where he was chipped from 30 yards. I remember thinking on this one, where they, when they tried to portray it as evidence, I remember thinking... Why does anyone need to bribe Bruce Grobelar to make Liverpool lose? Because they're so bloody awful, especially away from home. It's a guarantee. I mean, they've got Sorbonne Picnic at centre-half. Yeah. I mean, 
mean, there's not a lot really for Bruce to do to make Liverpool concede goals because Peatnick was doing an absolutely atrocious job of marking Andy Cole in this one. Mm. Um, he's become a bit of a figure of fun, and I used to think, oh, maybe maybe we've, uh, we were a little bit harsh on Torben, but I've rewatched a lot of Liverpool videos this year for my work with Nike football, yeah. and he really is all over the shop. Um, he's only playing because of injuries, you might say, but let's be clear, I mean, soon this could pretty much have picked a coat hanger at centre-half and he'd have done a better <laughs> job. So I think if they were going to perhaps prosecute anyone, there were, there were some other worthy candidates there, but apart from our, our dear friend Bruce. But you're absolutely right. Uh, four minutes gone, one down. Ten minutes later, they concede an absolutely identical goal, almost, except this one... Cole can't miss, it's worth saying, he absolutely can't miss the goal. The ball comes across beautifully weighted from Scott Sellers after Beardsley dissects all players with a pass. But the way Cole taps it in, it's like Jimmy White rolling one into the middle pocket yeah. of the Crucible. <laughs> it, it's absolutely delicious, isn't it? Yep, yep. Fantastic. And then Fantastic. it is 30 minutes gone, exactly the same scenario. Uh, Newcastle 3, Liverpool 0, game over. Graham Sudis moustache twitching furiously <laughs> on the sideline. You know, you, you knew Graham was angry when his moustache started twitching. That's right. That's he, right. he was after his heart attack operation. He couldn't really, um, he, he couldn't really rant and rave anymore, could he? So yeah. it was the sort of silent fury from the dugout which we saw so regularly. Uh, right. And I think for any manager to concede three goals exactly the same way, I mean, it's I, I genuinely can't remember, and you know, I'm a West Ham fan, we conceded a lot of goals, but I can't remember three identical goals um, sealing the result of a football game. It feels pretty unusual, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, which I think that may have uh, worked against Grobola in the accusations. But at the same time, if you look at the way that Liverpool were cut up, and Beardsley was was instrumental, as was Scott Sellers and, and the others, obviously, but... You'd have thought that it was a Liverpool back line that should have been up for a, uh, for a charge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Steve Nicholl, how did he avoid prosecution? <laughs> he was meant to be right back. Yeah, exactly. I, I, exactly. I, where was he? I didn't see him within 10 yards of the ball. It's incredible. A <laughs> um, couple of points I wanted to raise with you, Stel. Yep. Now, when that third goal goes in and the score flashes up on screen, the font that Sky Sports use it's got to be about point two hundred. I have <laughs> never seen font so big. I mean, I've seen I've seen signs for toxic waste less intrusive than that. It, it's huge. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. That was back in the day when, when obviously Sky were, were new kids on the block, so to speak, and they'll try to do everything different. You know, they did the Alive and Kicking uh, music video. They did everything different to what, what we expected, the whole razzmatazz. And I just think that they got excited with the uh, with the graphics. They did. I mean, God, someone got very excited. It, it literally takes up the entire screen. So if you are <laughs> a Liverpool fan, you're feeling bad enough. And then there it is, covering the whole of your telly. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Second thing is, Kevin Keegan's coat. Yeah. What, what, what's your reflection on Kevin Keegan's coat? Um, well, I, I don't know. Did did that kind of influence Arsene Wenger in in, in some way? I, I, I <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, I know that Graham Souness was wearing the, the the traditional Adidas, you know, tracksuit that you'd expect to see from a from a manager. But Kevin Keegan 
Well, he was he was always different, wasn't he? Always liked to do things differently. Um, the O is enormous still. Yeah. I mean, you look at you genuinely looking at that coat, and you say it's that big, black, puffy. It, it goes down past his knees. You, you're genuinely you're at one stage. I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, is he trying to stay warm, <laughs> or is he about to go into hibernation? It is. It's. Incredible! What what a coat, magnificent! Yeah. And he was the he was the only one wearing uh, a jacket different to everyone else because everyone else was wearing the uh, the Newcastle tracksuit uh, jacket. I think was it um, what's his name? Uh, oh, who's Terry it? Mack? Yeah, Terry McDermott. He was there, and I remember he was doing all high fives and everything, which I never kind of expected to see. But yeah. Yeah, so that that was a pleasure watching Keegan. He was obviously enjoying his team and how they were performing in this one. And this was really, this this was a bit of a turning point from Newcastle, where they went from being a sort of steady team this season to becoming a sensational one, because they actually finished third. And Cole and Beardsley scored 65 goals that season. Yeah, didn't Cole get like 40-odd? Yeah, 41, Beardsley got 24. What a pairing. I mean, you know... Keegan has his critics as a as a manager for what he did latterly with with England, but but Newcastle at times the way he chose players uh, and the times of careers that you know he chose them it it was absolutely stellar and Beardsley and Cole was a brilliant combination. Mm, that's right. I remember Andy Cole when he was he, he kind of spread the goals out throughout the the season, wasn't it? It wasn't like he was getting hat trick here, hat trick there. It was like almost a goal a game. Goal again, every every time on the biddy printer, if Newcastle scored, Andy Cole's name was next to it. Yep. He was he was a bit like the Terminator. You just couldn't reason with him. You couldn't stop him. He just scored goals. And but he was very um, he was a bit more one dimensional than he than he ended up being. Mm. Obviously, when he went to Manchester United, as everyone knows, he was um, he really transformed as a player under the coaching staff. There, he became a player that could play with his back to goal that could link play and then make a run into the box. Mm, Whereas right. at this spell, he never played with his back to goal. He very rarely passed to a teammate. His job was, as soon as Beardsley got the ball or as soon as Sellers got the ball, was to attack a space and rely on them to put it in front of him and he would finish it. He he was just a goal-scoring machine, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So what... um. What happened to the Liverpool season? Because I know Roy Evans uh, got the job because Sunis was was booted out. Um... Yeah, Sunis resigned at the end of January after the infamous cup game with Bristol City. Do you remember the score of that one? Uh, didn't they lose one nil? Was it Brian Tinian that got the winner? It was. It was the game that made Brian Tinian an overnight well yeah. legend, if you like. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I never forget. Uh, Roy Evans took over. They, I mean, Roy had a hell of a job. Um, they they sort of stumbled and they ended up eight, which was obviously dreadful. Um, but under Roy, they started to to climb and, and, and thrive again without ever really coming that close to winning the title. They they recovered a bit more dignity under him. So it was a this game ended up being a bit of a crossroads for both teams. It was the time when when Newcastle. Uh, announced themselves, if you like, in the top flight. And it was the time when Liverpool had finally had enough of Graham Sooners. It didn't really get much worse than this until that night at, at, against Bristol City. Yeah, I was um, I was reading an extra. In fact, I read uh, Paul Stewart's book and he said that he, he had a little falling out with, with uh, Graham Sooners. 
and as soon as it's like, oh, you know, uh, you're not you're not fit enough, and yada yada yada. And Paul Stewart goes, well, when you signed me, we met at the airport, and you saw that there was ten empty bottles of Holston, and you didn't realise then I had the problem. <laughs> Amazing. He made some very odd decisions, Sunes. This is the season where he brought in Julian Dix. Yeah, that's right. Now, Julian, by his own admission, as uh, a player, very good. Often not given enough credit for his touch uh, and his ability to ping a pass. But as a professional, in terms of maintaining your fitness, he was dismal. Mars bar and a can of coke before the game. And the game where Sunes decided... He was going to sign Julian. He actually got sent off for West Ham. I think he was against <laughs> Southampton. Uh, he got sent out off for basically rearranging someone's face with his elbow. Oh, nice. And afterwards, <laughs> he, he rang up Harry Redknapp and he said, yep, that's the player for me. I, I, don't, I don't know how that can happen. So tell me something. Who do you think got a better bargain then? Was it Liverpool who got Julian Dix or was it West Ham who got Mike Marsh and David Burrows? We definitely got the better one on that. Mike Marsh <laughs> was a tremendous player. Criminally underrated super on the ball David Burrows you know had another good I think he had six more years at the top level with us with Coventry and he had a spell at Sheffield Wednesday I think when they dropped down the league but those players really settled the team Julian was a bit unhappy at that stage he'd become a little bit of a, a problem in the dressing room it was a good time to move him on and then two years later we got him back and he lifted the club and he pretty much saved us from relegation two seasons running so it was, uh, I mean, Harry Redknapp, the, the eternal businessman, uh, this was a very, very good piece of business. Great stuff, great stuff. So have you got any birthdays or anything else you'd like to share? Well, yes, I have still. Well, you know I like to finish with a couple of birthdays. Go on. Um, and today there's a couple of cracking birthdays, but I thought I'd do a little twist on it, uh-huh. my friend. I thought I would ask you to identify the players by their club history. Wow, okay. How many have you got? Two, just two. Okay. So, I'm going to read them out to you. I'm going to read their clubs. This first player, he's 51 today. These are his former clubs. Hayes, QPR, Brentford, Besiktas, Newcastle, Spurs, West Ham. He's nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Yep, it is. Besiktas gave it away. (laughs) Sir Les Ferdinand, 51 today. 51. Um, by the time he got to West Ham, Les was pretty much on his last leg, <laughs> but he could still hit the ball. Yep. Second player, Aston Villa, Motherwell, Celtic, Manchester United, Motherwell. 54 today. Oh, wow, ex-Man United. Ex-Man United. I'll read them out for you again, Still, I'm going to yeah. buy you some time here because you know you're going to lose face if you don't get this one right. Here we go again. He's 54 today, this chap. Aston Villa, Motherwell, Celtic, Manchester United, Motherwell. Wow, that's a tough one. Wow, okay. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. I should really get this one, shouldn't I? You should Come get on. it. You should get it. Fly me. I'm going to give you some time. Uh, what great audio this great audio this, I'm, I'm actually struggling I'm struggling here wow I'll give you is... another clue he's a, he's a striker <sighs> Brian McClare it is it is Chucky McClare wow and I am ashamed to say Phil that I didn't realise why he was nicknamed Chucky 
until about five years ago. It Go completely on. passed me by. Go on. <laughs> because his surname rhymes with Eclair. <laughs> Fantastic. I genuinely had no idea why he was called Chucky. Yeah. I thought it was something to do with where he came from. Yeah. I had no idea whatsoever. Yeah, but there we go. It's a bit of a funny There's a little idea. bit of extra for anyone who's listening. That's, yes. what, that's the, root, the root and branch review of Brian McClough's nickname. Yeah, I, I know. I, mean, with, with, I remember Brian McClough, I think he had an interview. I can't remember, I can't remember the interview he had, but he said that he, you know, after the first week at United, um, he thought he made a massive mistake because I think that they were doing like 800-meter sprints and that kind of stuff. And then there was... Yeah. Play, yeah, and players like, you know, Viv Anderson came afterwards and... You know, he, he was taking the mick out of him kind of thing. So, yeah. And wasn't, I always think of Brian McClare. He was front and centre of the Battle of Old Trafford, wasn't he? Yeah, him and Winterburn. That's when it all it started. Because Winterburn, yeah, Winterburn went in a bit naughty and he, uh, he retaliated. That's it, that's it. Good player, Chucky. So, there he is. Happy 54th birthday if you're listening, my friends. Uh, many happy returns. Fantastic. Well, Sid, that's been another great show, mate. Thanks for uh, for coming on, and um, I look forward to to the next one. Do you have a, a game in mind? I don't. I'll, I'll look into the archives that I've done on this one, and I'll find something uh, that we can we can enjoy. But I can't leave without doing a couple of plugs, mate. If you don't mind. Um, just follow me on Twitter at Sid underscore Lambert. Um, if you go to or if you go to nineteesfootball.com, that's nine zero s football.com we've got loads of blogs and articles and match reviews from uh, years gone by particularly the early Premier League years and my book Cashing In is uh, down to one ninety nine on Kindle for December it's a Christmas special offer we've got five star reviews across the board it's really picking up pace it's uh, the Ray Cash story it's a novel set in the real life background of the Premier League uh, when football changed forever it's a great story if you love Dream Team if you love Nostalgia if you just want to remember when football was a little bit more fun it's a great story people are really enjoying it I'm overwhelmed by the feedback you know please if you're out there and you fancy spending two quid wisely you uh, someone called it on um, on Amazon a perfect bog read and that's good enough nice. for me nice excellent see that's my kind of book that's my kind of book. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff well see thanks again for your time and guys if you're listening still we're uh, on Twitter at Shoot the Defence give us a follow um, and we are plugging all the previous uh, archive shows with Sid because they've been really well met I'd say okay mate well I'll catch you uh, next time yeah great stuff cheers Sid appreciate it mate thank you very much cheers mate cheers mate all the best take care